Hi everyone, this is officially the ninth episode of the Pedal Podcast. And this week I had the absolute privilege to talk to Andy Catchpole, who's the UK's country manager for Tennis Point, or how it's also called on the pedal side, Pedal Point. He has been in the industry for several years. He will actually tell us how many, uh, quite astonishing. And he has been uh, giving us quite amazing insight on the retail side of things in pedal. Please do have a listen. Let us know what you thought, as always. And if you can, please subscribe and give me a like on any platform where you're listening to your favorite podcast. Hi, everyone. This is so this is the eighth or the ninth or the 10th episode. It depends on where we look at it, but let's call it the ninth episode because I I messed it up the last time. So I'm just going to stand by this and say that this is the ninth episode. And this will be a little bit different again, because I've got Andy Catchpole with me, who's uh, the uh, country manager for Tennis Point. Um which is a really exciting project. And, and Tennis Point is obviously one of the biggest uh, websites um, in, in connection with racket sports. And um, and I was lucky enough to connect with Andy on, on LinkedIn. And just I was um, I was uh, pushy enough to to reach out to Andy and ask him if you, he would like to feature. And here he is. So thank you very much, Andy. And uh, thanks for accepting my invite. No problem at all. Nice to be here. <laughs> So uh, usually I start with the with the question on on how did you get into pedal, but I will rephrase it a little bit because I'm not sure if you ever tried pedal. So let's start with that one. Are you playing pedal? Yes, I I, I use the uh, the little mini joke of saying I've been playing pedal for about nine years, and everybody says, "Wow, you must be an expert." And it's like, yeah, probably once a year at a sales conference for nine years. So it, it's I, I'm by no means an expert. I'm a very entry level player for paddle. I've, I've played sort of a reasonable level of tennis and badminton, so I've played a fair bit, not a not a massive amount, but um, not playing it regularly. Unfortunately, I'd love to play it a bit more often. Time doesn't quite allow at the moment, but uh, hopefully in the future I'll be playing a bit more. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 great to hear because um, you know I I got into paddle now more than half a year ago, and I'm and I'm absolutely hooked. Uh, it's one thing that I do the podcast, but I'm 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 trying to play almost every day if I can. Uh, there, as as you as you know, Bristol is now the hub of pedal mm-hmm. in the UK. So I'm I'm lucky enough that I'm based in Bristol, and we've got so many amazing courts that it's just it's just unbelievable to 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 go around, try the different uh, setups, uh, play with different people, compete. So it's it's really good fun. It's really good fun. So let's start. First of all, with uh, your background, uh, what we have to know about you, how did you become the country manager for Tennis Point? Okay, so quick, quick, uh, quick resume, I guess, of my my history. So I started in the sports trade about <laughs> thirty five years ago as a as a stringer and a Saturday boy at a sports shop, a racket sports shop in the Midlands. Um, always basically be involved in either retail or coaching or whatever, or the and the sport. As I say, tennis and badminton were my main sports. Um, I, when I went to university, did a leisure and recreation degree, um, was coaching a little bit at the same time, going back home, still working in the shop, became a tennis coach for a number of years. And I did that for about six, seven years on and off, full time for the last sort of six years of that. I did Gloucestershire, so at a, at a big club in Gloucestershire, I was the head coach there, county coach, coaching at Cheltenham Ladies College, running a team of coaches there. So it was it was busy. 
and then sort of got a, um, approached to, to do some promotional work for Head. So I did a year for them just part-time doing some promo days, demo days, usual stuff in promotions and grassroots and marketing, and then got taken on board full-time in that role with Head. But took a bit of a pay cut from coaching to go into a different route. I knew I didn't want to be a tennis coach for the rest of my life, um, but went to the different route. So started with Head, great company. Uh, you, you know yourself, you have roots with that company as well, but worked with the UK team for 18 years in the end, uh, ended up being the the, uh, the the rackets manager for the UK. So looking after all aspects of bringing product in, the marketing team, had a great, great team working there. We were still, all still there and missed them missed them quite a bit. It was, it was a great team to work with um, and was doing a lot of different jobs there. So well-known in the industry, you know, know a lot about it. Doing Paddle for the last, I think the last five or six years while I was at Head, we brought Paddle into the UK in small amounts to start off with. And it was growing and growing and they've, they've taken it on to obviously another level now where Paddle's grown and grown. But just under two years ago, I, I made the decision to move from the from the brand side of things to the retail side. I was sort of approached by Tennis Point to to become their country manager here in the UK. So uh, took took a while to decide about that because it's it's quite a quite a step change from being one side of the fence to the other. Um, but knowing the history of Tennis Point and how quickly they've evolved and the growth they've seen, it was it was a fairly straightforward move in the end. It just took a little bit of time because I was quite settled in the role I'd done, uh, but this was this was an opportunity to go in a slightly different direction with a with a few more openings and opportunities to grow grow myself really. That's how I that's how I got into Tennis Point anyway. Yeah, I mean, um, with with Head, I have to say that it is a brilliant company, and and everyone who's connected to uh, any racket sport really, what Head is involved in, you know, it can be squash or tennis or or paddle or or uh, we can name it. They have it. Uh, or even skis, to be fair, uh, mm-hmm. you know that what Head does is really high quality. I am critical about it. I have to say that the quality control of Head isn't like a Yonex style of of quality control in uh, in China. In Kennelbach, it's different because in Kennelbach, mm-hmm. you know, all the pro stocks and whatnot is uh, is brilliant. And and um, and I have to say that. Uh, you know, whenever they put the effort in and and not just uh, looking at the numbers, Head is one, if not the best racket making company on the market. So that's hands down. Yeah, I think it, it it's tricky for all the brands, to be honest, because when you want, you know, paddle, tennis, squash, it, they're all numbers games. And when you look at numbers games, the quality control is is a tough part of that. You know, I mean, I, I don't. I don't work for this brand now, so I don't have any reason not to send it different, but it's tough for all the brands because when yeah. you're making that level of product, the number of product, it, it's tricky to to have the tolerance levels as tight as it would be maybe like, as you say, with Yonix who are, who are producing out of Japan, who have very low tolerances, but the numbers they're making are probably not as high as the big three um, yeah. in terms of tennis. I mean, yeah. it, the, the, the big three in tennis, it, for paddle, it comes completely different. And you're talking the numbers are, uh, are very different, but you're talking the brands are very different because you have so many of the brands come into the mix. And quality control in, you know, what we're talking about today in Paddle is is very different as well for all the brands. It's a yeah. it's a tricky one, but yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm uh, look. I I still look back at my time with had with with 
all all the positives. So I, I don't I, I really rate head highly. And and uh, when I when I say that, you know, I I, I sort of envy your your career because it's it's an unbelievable career path what you have and 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 where you are and what you do is is great. And and that you were settled with head, I can hundred percent see that why why that happened and 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 it's just great so last question about it what's your tennis record then i'm currently have a speed mid plus i've got a couple of speed mid pluses a couple of the blacked out versions from a few years ago so it's not not the current edition but it's the the one before that um which i i ended i as you probably know when you work in the trade you end up picking out a racket if you're not that fussy and playing with whatever's on the top of the bag but speed was probably the range that i went with for the for the last the last two generations I played with, so but I, I've changed around. I can't I can't play prestige anymore. I'm not good enough. I'm too old. So speed <laughs> yeah. is speed gives me enough help. So that's fine. No, it's a great frame. And what's your string setup? Just a bit of a nerdy uh, question. I, I've I've had a really bad tennis elbow for the last nine months. I've been out of tennis, and I've just switched to a full uh, multi-filament bed just for a bit of ease on the on the elbow. So I've just gone to the head, still head, uh, head velocity. And I'll drop the tension down to about 50 just to make it a bit more comfortable. I think ripping through them a bit too often, but uh, that's not a bad sign, but it's a bit more comfortable. Can't yeah, do polys anymore. I know what you mean, because I, I play with a hybrid setup and, and I usually use... Um had multis uh whenever i i'm i'm not the biggest fan of their pulleys i have to say although i i i'm lucky enough to have a few uh pro player uh strings i'm not gonna say from where because that guy can get into trouble but <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, but yeah, and 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 uh to be fair um apart from from it's 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 a weird one, and I know it's it's not necessarily pedal driven this topic, but I I you know my 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 background is tennis, so so for me all the gear, all the equipment, all the all all these what we are talking about, uh, multis don't get enough love, and I think multi filament strings are great, and and I always always try to to push everyone towards at least a hybrid because it's just a lot easier on on the arm, and we are not at that level. Look, I'm I'm playing first team. Um, for one of the biggest biggest clubs in the Southwest, Redland Green. But I'm still saying that we are not at that level where we definitely need a full poly. I'm full on that full poly is great, but but it's still different. Okay, let's talk about pedal. Yeah, um, let's move on. <laughs> I, I could talk about tennis all day. I wanted to ask about, so, so you don't, you, you said that you're not playing as much as you would like. So you, there's not, there, there is, Quite a, I, I know that you live in Gloucestershire. You told me off air. And what I wanted to say is that there's more and more courts of, like appearing. Obviously, East Gloss has um, yeah. has six courts, I think, maybe not. Well, they've, as... got they've got three. I think they okay, have a sorry. plan. They have a plan in the future, I think, to try and develop that a bit more. But I don't know if that's concrete. That's my that's my old club, so I know that club very well. So yeah, that's that's what I thought, and, and I wanted yeah. to wanted to ask if that was that was the club. But, but that that place has boomed. I mean, they put their courts in. Uh, was it? It was pre-COVID, I think, or during COVID, and it, it just it's gone nuts. I mean, those courts are used pretty much all the time. Obviously, the usual dead spots a certain time of the day, but the club's really taken it to heart. The members have the squash players have got involved. You've had a nice crossover. But they've put the right people in place. They've got the catalyst people there to make it work. It's 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 been very successful. No, a hundred percent. I can see that. Um, I I just uh, uh, went up to uh, to meet my my friend whose uh, under twelve kid was um, was playing, and he won a 
won a tournament uh, up in uh, East Gloucester doubles, and and I'm I'm really proud of him. I actually played a a fun uh, doubles with him, and and he and he's a lovely little kid, and and I and I wish him all the best. And uh, and I've seen um, I haven't actually seen the pedal courts, funny enough, because uh, I had to go, but I know that that is a hub in in Gloucestershire. And now the good news is that pedal shift is opening i mean they yeah, i've seen that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah they, they already opened one in uh, next to cheltenham um in the uh elkstone studios yep and yeah, yeah. uh really really great spot uh yeah obviously all all our outside courts which make makes it a lot harder but if someone is fairly desperate from gloucester is 45 minutes to come down to bristol so it's not too bad really to to come down to play play in bristol although i think in cheltenham and in gloucester a few indoor courts would would be would be pretty beneficial for for the pedal players no definitely okay so what was your first contact with pedal because now we we spoke a lot about pedal was it just so how was the first time when you said nine years ago that was your first experience with pedal what did you think why did it take so long to become this successful as it is and evolving as it is in the UK? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, my my first experience was at a it was at a head sales conference. We had we had one. I can't remember where it was now. We, they tended to do one pre COVID in each year in a in a in a nice sunny sunny place. Uh, so it was always outdoors. It was either Sanchez Casal or Robinsons in Mallorca, and, and we always they always tried to put on paddle because. From outside Spain at the time, the other countries had heard about it and Spain was going, oh, it's massive, it's bigger than tennis. And, you know, it has been for quite a while in Spain. And everyone was like, well, you know, maybe it'll cross over to other countries. The first thought, I think, for most people was ah, I'd only be in the in the hotter climates, in the Italy's, the, the south of France, Spain, Portugal. Um, but obviously, Sweden to an extent proved that wrong. And then the rest of the Nordics, where it's grown indoors and grown well. I, why it's taken so long in the UK, I guess there's there's a lot of issues with the availability of space, I think, more than anything else. So to make anything work to any real degree, I guess, again, I'm, I'm no expert in this element of it, but if you want to make a sport successful, it's got to be successful in the southeast where the, the vast majority of the population is. And if you have the right number of courts and the right access to facilities in the southeast, um, then you can grow into the other areas. It's not saying you can't have it in the other areas first, but I think if you really want to be successful, it's got to grow in that part of the country where the biggest part of the population is. And when you're down there, as we all know in the UK, the, the cost of space and land in the southeast is, especially within the, the London and M25 area, it's ridiculously expensive. So you've either got to be a, a club that's going to convert a court or a facility into a paddle, paddle court, and sticking one in is it's not always a great driver. You need to stick two or three. And if you want to really grow it. And I think the difficulty was having the the, the space. The cost is obviously another element. It, you know, we, we know the costs of courts and, and, and putting it in. And th that obviously is a little bit of a, a, a barrier. But when you look at how quickly courts are being built at the moment, it's proven that it's not completely a barrier. You know, you exactly as you say with Bristol and you look at the number of courts there now, the facility in Derby, you know, the facilities that are popping up all over. And I've just seen the ones popping up in Canary Wharf. I was there the other day walking mm. past and saw the facility there. And and you're like, well, actually, the money's there. You know, it, it's having the land is the, is the crucial one. And I think 
people have heard about paddle now. I think nine years ago, people didn't know what it was. It was something you saw when you're on holiday in Spain. You, it didn't really come into the UK outside of a holiday thing. But as soon as one or two courts pop up, then another two or three pop up. And then suddenly, and you look at it now on my LinkedIn and, and Facebook, and literally it's all paddle. To, to some tennis players' annoyance, it's 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 taking pride of place on my LinkedIn, and it, it's nothing I've done. It just seems to be the, the 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 talk about it, and it hasn't quite backed it up in terms of the number of courts yet. But you only have to look at how many courts have been built over a, a short period of time to know that that's going to continue to to grow exponentially over the next few years. Get back to the initial question, which was, you know, why wasn't it? Why is it taking so long? I I think that's the main barriers is the number of people that knew about the sport. Um, the the number of let's say the availability of space and then the funding element that to me is the main three parts I I could be wrong people will have a a different impression of that but from my side of the industry where I was at for those last nine years that that's what I would see and say from my from my side of the sport I obviously I'm aware of of uh, Padium in in Canary Wharf and and uh, it's it's an I mean it's going to be unreal when it, when it's going to be ready it's going to be unreal. And uh, and I'm really happy that in the middle, in a way, in in the financial center of London, you will have I think eight indoor courts, which I is think so, yeah, which which is great. And there's going to be like a premier sort of uh, a court as well, which which will be like uh, you know they can they can definitely have uh, uh, bigger tournaments uh, there, and 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 that's what we need. And I think that will be um, that will be one of the next steps, the WPT, to actually have or or hold a tournament here because uh, now it was last um, two weeks ago it was in Belgium which was great to see and you know there's there's quite a few uh, Dutch players who who are really good for example head is uh, is uh, sponsoring and I really like head sponsorship method in paddle because they obviously have Coelho, uh they have uh, both world number ones in in the women's game um, Jose Maria and Ari Sanchez and and it's and it's really good that that they are evolving and and I think they made a really good bat of of getting more names in because, for example, Babala only has um, Juan LeBron, which which is great. Don't get yeah, me wrong; yeah. he's the world number one. But now it's uh, it's definitely evolving, and 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 I think the two main brands what you see on the WPT are are Head and Bull Paddle, which is which is also good to see. One more thing: what you said about the. Um, uh, the sales uh, sales meetings I've had. I actually happened to be in um, in Bali a few years ago. I don't know if you've been there. No, you you must have, you must have been on the more expensive trip. We had the cheaper ones. <laughs> you, you would have been with Head International, who had the Bali, and they went around the world. And uh, the rest of us just got to go to Europe. So look, lucky you. <laughs> it was great. It was just one year, but it was memorable. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, and. Um, and I and I really appreciate your input about um, how how pedal is is now evolving. And and I wanted to to ask about tennis points um, or pedal points, um, what what they think and what you guys think. And 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 obviously there you know the the international strategy as well, more or less. And and how different are the players online? Is pedal point or tennis point? a major player as in tennis or still needs a lot of work in paddle. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, um, I mean, obviously everybody knows relatively, most people know who we are in tennis 
um, in paddle, it's it's quite different because you've got such a let's say a more open market. I mean, obviously Spain dominates dominates globally the world's market. I think Spain and Italy have more courts than everybody else put together. I think, but Spain's obviously quite a mature market in paddle, so it's it's got established players on the ground. It's it's a it's interesting. It's a, we found it as a company. It's quite an offline driven market in Spain. Um, so we have I think four stores. We have two in Madrid, one in Barcelona, one in, and a couple in diff- different other places. And Paddle is like 60% of our business in the stores. Um, and it, it's tricky because this, as you know yourself, there's so many brands out there and each of them has a, has a, has a USP and each of them has a, a different part of it. But it's a very different landscape than when you look at tennis, where you've got the big three brands and then probably another three brands outside of that. Paddle, you've, you've got all of those brands and then you've got the paddle specific brands like ball paddler you mentioned earlier and you've got drop shot and starvey and uh, millions of other brands the tricky thing for consumers is finding what's the focus who, who do you focus on obviously if you're a tennis player the first thing you're looking at is the tennis brands who do paddle and then there's some evidence to say that as people develop as a let's say a paddle only player rather than tennis they then move into the paddle brands some of them um but for us as a as a company the 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 strategy has started as a, obviously the, the number one sport for us is tennis, you know, across Europe and, and around the world. The number two focus is paddle. So it's, it's not, uh, and there's not really a focus after that. We do some stuff in France with badminton. There's a tiny bit of squash because it's, it's mainly UK focus rather than totally Europe. Whereas paddle is breaches every country and growing in most countries, I think. So paddle is our second focus. Hence we developed paddle point as a separate website. It seems to work in the markets that are a bit more mature. It doesn't work as well, hence we haven't launched one in the UK at the moment. So Paddle is just part of our tennispoint.co.uk website. Um, Once we establish the market into a more mature market, the idea is to maybe develop that. I mean, things change with the strategy, but at the moment that would be a strategy to look at Paddlepoint a little bit more in the future. But the the offering is the same. So the offering we have on Paddlepoint is the same as we have under the Paddle section in Tennispoint. Um, we have a little bit more, let's say, um, exposure through Tennis Point to the tennis player, to the you know through the the marketing channels through Google and everything as a tennis brand, and we leverage that to use it to sell the paddle equipment. In in the more mature markets, Paddle Point is a bit more of a, a serious player. So we have the Cooper Paddle Point Tour in France, which is extremely successful in its second year now. Um, and that is driving quite a bit of business through the Paddle Point website. So as a strategy at the moment, it is different for each market. It's different depending on the, the maturity of the market, the growth of the market at the time, and the demands in the market, which we can obviously see through the, the analytics from Google and things like that, because Tennis Point is a tech-driven company in terms of the, the analytics that we use and everything else. So that our strategy is, is fairly mixed between the countries, depending on depending on scalability and the demand and the size of the market in terms of the other players and where we're based uh tricky to know because there's no tennis there's there's more analytics on on who's selling what and the the brands can give you more feedback because you're talking six brands but when you're talking paddle and you're talking like a hundred brands nobody's coordinated that information to know who's we think we know who number one is it's not us we're a growing player and we're one of the i would say one of the top five but we're definitely not at that top spot, but we are encouraged and we want to grow it to be a serious player. We're one of the attackers. We're not the main, the main guys I'd say yet, but um, 
we're definitely one who who strives to be to be bigger and better each time. Um, but as I said, it's a it's a very different market to tennis, and and it needs a different approach. It has to have a different strategy, and it has to have a different marketing investment brand link. Everything has to be very different than it would be in tennis. It's it's you can't you can't just mirror what you do in tennis and put it into paddle, which I think we found over the years, and I think everybody who's in tennis who wants to get into paddle has seen the same that you can't you can't mirror what you've done. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, my, I was, I was thinking about the next question, but um, just a, a little feedback on this one. I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I have to say because how I see paddle, as much fun at it as, as it is, and as much movement it is making, and and obviously a lot of people are talking about the Olympics and if, if it's going to feature in in 2032 and and what's going to happen. I am a little bit afraid that it's actually going to have the Swedish model that it's it's growing a bit too fast for its own good. There's no exact answer to that, really, uh, because I think um, pedal is here to stay. If you ask me, because I think it's such a it's such mm. a fun sport, and all the all the racket players can actually uh, come together in doubles in in a in a third or fourth sport for them and i'm talking about badminton i'm talking about table tennis i'm talking about um you know squash tennis so so all these all these sports all these uh, racket uh, sports players can come together and play this sport so that's why it's really good but long story short i think it's it's definitely the right strategy of of tennis point or paddle point to to really push it what is what is uh, the the top three brands in pedal for you? So, what is the biggest sellers? Uh, it, it's if I, it's probably quite different online to offline. Um, I, I don't have the stats to hand in terms of the offline. The online, I, I know anecdotally, I can I could find the info out, but I don't want to risk my internet connection again. Um, <laughs> To be fair for us, it's probably different, as I say, for some of the others. Because of our link to the sport of tennis, we're probably selling more of the tennis brands than you would probably find a specific paddle retailer selling. Because we have that crossover with our customer base and with the sort of people who are looking and finding us, they're probably more likely to go with a with a tennis brand paddle racket. So Babalat would probably be our number one. Um, after that, it's probably a mixture of all the other brands. But... For a spe- specific paddle brand, it would be Bull Paddle. Um, but for, for of the tennis brands, it would be Babala. But I, I I hear what you're saying about the growth. You know, we want to invest in it. The I just on a personal note, I I'm not quite so worried. I guess in terms of the Swedish model, because I know they had issues and they're closing courts, and it was a bit boom and bust. I, there's always going to be a danger of that happening in the UK. But I think at the moment, it seems to be. As much as we've had a lot of courts opened in a short space of time, the the outlook is still a gradual organic approach. I think it, I don't think there's bucket loads of money coming in. I think because of what people have seen in in Sweden, I think people are a little bit more cautious and taking their time to develop it. And I I think the UK may well, Great Britain may well be a little bit find it a little bit less boom and bust i hope <laughs> I, I i look i think you're right and and i think we're talking about obviously a um a, a completely different set of people a completely different population um and and i think some people ask me about bristol as well do i think it's too many courts 
it might be at the moment, but I feel like over a period of time and over PR um, and and marketing, uh, I think it will be all all will be full. I don't know if you've uh, if you've seen the rocket pedal in. Uh, I've only seen it on the um from the uh, from some of the press releases and the stuff on the Bandeka. Please do let me know if um, if you're coming down to to check it out because I I would love to I would love to just join you because I do play there quite a bit and and I absolutely adore it. I think uh, it's we'll, such... you don't have to ask me again. We're done. We'll book it in. Okay, let's <laughs> do that. Let's do that. I'll I'll organize a game as well <laughs> while we're at it. So um so yeah, I think I think so far it seems a bit a bit too much. I have to say because look, I still have to. In many times when I speak to strangers, when I speak not to my tennis community, when I speak to someone uh, about my podcast and whatnot, I still pretty much have to, I, I have to explain what pedal is. Mm -hmm. And I think it is it is definitely on the right track, uh, but there's still a lot of work to be done. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're aware of Ben Nichols, who's doing the- Yeah, yeah I know Ben, yeah. Uh, lovely chap as well. They, yeah, they really actually nice live quite close to each other. He's uh, he's not too far away from you. Mm. Um, so so he he is doing a magnificent job, and I and I really I really like his his uh, thought process. That that that's what he came up with uh, with with a PR agency on 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 the growth of battle, and and I and I think is great. And uh, yeah, my next question is: so you're obviously looking after um, the UK, and do you feel that in the last when when did you join Tennis Point? Uh, July twenty one. Okay, so it has been almost two years. Yeah, now. just under two years. Yeah. So, did you feel the difference in terms of of um, the buying power of the UK market in the last year when it really became this boom in in the UK? Yeah, I mean, te well, Tennis Point, they they sort of the the. the the UK company started in 2020. Um, they'd they'd launched the web shop before that, and there was some significant growth. COVID was the biggest growth actually for Tennis Point, and then we've managed to maintain growth on top of that for the past couple of years. Tennis Point is one of only a handful of of retailers that ship into the UK from Europe. Obviously, the complexity of Brexit as well as COVID yeah. um, was was very frustrating and annoying for everyone. So a lot of retailers from the UK don't ship into Europe and a lot of retailers from Europe don't ship into the UK because of the complexity, the cost element, the difficulty, the timescales. We've we've done it. It does create a little bit of a, a delay on the shipments compared to, say, the UK homegrown retailers who can ship quicker than we can. The difference we have is the assortment. We have a vast assortment of, of all the brands. I mean, we deal with so many brands, so many pieces of clothing and footwear and rackets that we, Pretty much, if we don't if we don't range it, we it's not available unless it's a specific makeup for a certain retailer. Um, the the growth of tennis and and paddle exactly, you know, through COVID and the year the years afterwards, we've noticed that increase in our sales, um, definitely in the UK market, and we managed to sustain that and keep growing on it. And I think to be fair, most of the other retailers in the UK have had the same. They've grown at a decent level. Even with stock shortages, stock shortages from all the brands globally and in certain areas, which has been a challenge for everyone. I think we've all come out the back end of it and done okay. Uh, the, the danger now is maybe having too much stock. After having no stock, it's always the always the case. But no, that the, the the paddle area especially has grown in sales for us in the last, I'd say the last two and a half years. Um, 
selling, I mean, we're selling a wider assortment of products and we're selling a lot more of the higher end because the, the one difference between paddle and tennis is the paddle players, when they when they get into paddle, they go in 110%. You know, they're not just dabbling in it a little bit. There are some, obviously, but a lot of them are completely converted and that's it. I'm buying two or three paddle rackets and I'm going to spend 200 odd pounds on a racket. I'll buy paddle shoes, paddle clothing. Everything's paddle, 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 um, which is which is great from a retail perspective. Um, but you have to be able to fulfill that. You know, you have to have the ranging behind it. You have to have the assortment. You have to have the knowledge. And it's 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 tricky in paddle because it's a it's a as as much as it's not a wider sport because you don't have strings to worry about with within the technical aspects of a racket. You have all the differences with the types of foam, with the layups, with the sizes of the of the of the paddles, with all these differences. It, it's just as complicated as tennis to the to the to the the entry consumer. Um, but no, we've we've definitely noticed an increase and it's been something the UK is one of the key markets that Tennis Point wants to invest in alongside France, Germany, which is the home market, Spain and Italy, which are the key, the key European markets for us. Where is Tennis Point based? I know it's in Germany, but which which city? Yeah, so we are it's in Hetzebrook Klarholz, which is actually not that far away from Halle, which is where the infamous grass court tournament is so we do the retail there every year (laughs) we're literally about 20 minutes away from there and it's in the middle of nowhere so we have this highly automated warehouse which is pretty much we have robots doing the picking which is incredible to see uh they do all our picking and we have the warehouse the head office there the marketing team is in the town over um all, all based from there really yeah i mean um i i ordered quite a few times from tennis point and i was uh uh, I have to again say most of the time I was really really pleased. There was once when when uh, it was quite a hard one to to actually negotiate some. Uh, I don't even know what it was. I think it was it was the wrong product or or it came damaged or something like that, and it was quite quite a tough one to to deal with it. But altogether, I I really rate Tennis Point, and and I think it's it's an unbelievable range as you said it, and uh, and yeah, it's um, pedal is is quite interesting because when you say um, pedal clothing paddle shoes it's tennis so even even the the you know the best paddle players do i mean there's a few tweaks there's a few bits and bobs but when someone doesn't have a sponsor um and and i know know that um pedal is unique in that perspective that they usually play in the clothing and the shoes of the racket provider um but you see the JR resolutions, you see the solution speeds. So they they like their their Essex shoes and and they um they they just use you know I, I've seen barricades as well. So you know yeah. you 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 see all these shoes and you know that okay, so they might be dedicated to pedal, but in the big picture, hmm, it's it's still tennis gear, pretty much. Yeah, this it's interesting i mean clothing yeah i mean clothing's clothing it can be you can have wicking material like we all have and it could be tennis squash badminton paddle whatever and you just it's a paddle brand name or it's a specific range designed a paddle really it's a change of a logo the footwear is interesting because it is to, to a degree it's changing at first some of the brands were just using a exactly as you say a tennis product and putting paddle on the box um I, I do think there's a bit more investment now when because of the size of paddle and the growth of paddle and the number of people playing, you look at some of the brands now and they are making concerted efforts to really separate a paddle shoe from a tennis shoe because the surface is to a certain degree, not exactly the same as you'd find on a tennis 
equivalent surface and obviously the demands of the game are a little bit different to tennis so i think i think you'll find and this i think this will develop that the brands are making more specific paddle equipment and let's really say footwear because the the paddle bats are obviously very different to tennis the balls are a little bit different anyway but the shoes probably more than anything else i think you will see evolve a little bit more as they get more into it and they see more demand for a specific product that suits the needs but yeah, the moment you, yeah, people that don't, that will happily use their tennis shoe on a paddle court, especially us um, sort of uh, unprofessional players who are amateur and uh, looking to looking to improve. I mean, if I had another, I've got clay court shoes, grass court shoes, all court tennis shoes, badminton shoes, running shoes, casual shoes. I've got more shoes than my wife's got shoes. It's um, unbelievable. And to put another paddle shoe in that, it just at the moment doesn't make sense. But But I think... I, I think the point's valid, but I think you will see that develop over the years. And knowing knowing some stories from the brands, how seriously they're taking paddle, you will see them more specific in the area of footwear for paddle because it's the one area which will be, I think, in the future, have the biggest opportunity for them to hold different distribution channel. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think what you said about how technical uh, paddle is, I, I get the question uh, many times that, why is a paddle racket or bat this expensive? And I just tell them, look, there's almost as much, or I think personally that there's more technology involved in creating a really high, high-end paddle racket than it is with tennis rackets. And I do know that tennis rackets, 90% is made by hand and, you know, they, they put it in the mold and then they, they just like pretty much put the uh, um, graphite layers on each other and all this and that, but it's, a pedal racket is a piece of art and not a lot of people do realize how much work it is to to create a pedal racket and that's that's one thing which 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 also you mentioned that that um quite a quite a lot of people do and and i mean i i want to ask you a pretty uh, uh tricky question but i i don't know if, if you will know the answer to that but before i get there so not a lot of people do can really justify why to buy a 250 pound racket when it's just you know a foam filled carbon outside pretty damn feeling thing but yes after a while you do see the difference so the question is do you know if as you said a lot of people commit but do you know a rough percentage on on how many people do buy the really high end racket so let's say 250 plus and how many people do buy these sort of intermediate 100 to 150, 200 pound racket? Like roughly, is it is it more like the, and, and we can just focus on the UK, is it more like the, the top of the range rackets or sort of a mixture of everything? For us, if if I look at the, the, the split on, let's say quantity, not revenue, but quantity we sell of of the paddle, paddle rackets, it's, it's probably, uh, it's changing. When we started, I think it was probably more 60% were buying the entry and mid and 40 were buying the top. It's probably a 50-50 now for us. So it has developed. Uh, to, to your point, one one thing, when, <laughs> I always remember having discussions with a few of my Spanish colleagues who you may have met in head previously. And um, the one argument they always say is, well, a paddle racket's so expensive, it's 250 quid. Yeah, how many restrings would you have in tennis rackets per year? Well, you don't have to have that in paddle. So if you calculate how many restrings you have on top of the frame, you're probably paying more for a tennis racket and the restrings over a year than you are for a paddle racket. 
I think yeah. that that's always the the base argument. I think in terms of cost is that you know that there is a, a parity there between the two when you add in the cost of replacing the strings compared to a paddle racket where you're not having to do that. I guess that's that that's always one of the base arguments I've heard from the brands. No, I, I get it. And the other thing is that it what what I've heard about it is that if you if you buy let's say a hundred pound racket, which is uh, partly you know, it's not carbon, it's like this carbon fiber and glass fiber and whatnot, that actually breaks. So that will, mm. that will deteriorate, that will, that will break. And then you're there and you spent 100 quid, 150 quid for a racket, which was okay. Mm. I don't say that it's good. I'm I'm lucky enough to, to actually, I, I, I was sent uh, uh, a few rackets and, uh, and, and I tried them and I, and I actually tried the head and I tried the, tried the bevelet at first. And, and I am still playing with the bevelet, although my, my friend uh, who I just mentioned, uh, who was on the last podcast with the pedal company, um, Fran, he, uh, he gave me two rackets, a Varlian and a Volt, and they're brilliant rackets, but somehow, um, the, the bevelet, and you mentioned that that's your, potentially that's your best seller is actually a lot more. So you feel a lot more impact. And I don't know if, if that's down to the fact that I play a lot more with it. I, I might need to give more time for the Varlian or I don't know. But somehow the touch feels better with the Babolat. So long story short, why I'm saying this is that I do, if someone plays two, three times a week, one once or twice a week, I do 100% recommend not necessarily the 350 pound racket, mm. but definitely a full carbon record because there is a massive difference and and i and i do see your point about not restringing because a restring in in the uk is like 25 30 pounds yeah so that that actually adds up pretty quickly if someone plays with a multi-filament so what does pedal need to become in your own opinion obviously that's not really tennis point <laughs> um what what does pedal need to become um an internationally recognized sport as known as an Olympic sport? And also, where do you see pedal evolving in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, interesting one, because if you if you look at paddle for five, the last five years and averaged it out, then it will grow slowly or organically. But if you look at it for the last year in the UK, then it's going pretty quick. Um, like you say, I hope that it's more of the organic approach. And I think it seems to be at the moment because the cost of land and everything else that we spoke about, I think with the LTA on board, some will say that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think at the moment, for definite, it's it's a good thing because it gives some structure to the business. It gives clubs the opportunity to get grants. It allows tennis clubs to invest in in the sport with with a little bit more of a relaxed approach. And I think the LTA with, as you probably know, Tom Murray on board, have, have someone who lives and breathes paddle from day one, um, their invest with a invested interest in the sport um and i think that's that's a great a great positive for paddle how what does it need to get to the next level obviously from a uk perspective it needs more facilities and more catalysts it needs more exposure it needs you know all of this stuff needs to grow and it it seems to be going in that direction which is great as long as it again doesn't grow too quick and we get boom and bust in terms of internationally Again, I think it's that that has started. I think the the smaller countries, if they continue to grow, like in the UK, like in Germany, like in you know Ireland has a bit is going on and is is growing courts as well. The US seems to be a, a a starting hotbed of paddle as well in certain parts. I think the more international exposure we get, 
it will only grow anyway and gain exposure. To get the Olympics, you, if Paddle gets in, there'll be a lot of very angry squash players <laughs> <laughs> because they've been dying to get into into the Olympics again, and in some regards, quite you know, quite justifiably, you know, because they would make it. The sport would it would become the pinnacle of their sport. I think Paddle has a shot to get into the Olympics because of the the growth of the sport and the interest at the uh, in the sport in most of these countries where it's got a bit of a foothold now. The the key thing for me, and it was interesting before this, I was talking to some friends of mine on the way back from a, a tennis match we had last night, and we were chatting about paddle. I was saying, oh, I'm on a I'm a paddle podcast tomorrow, and we were chatting about it. And the one the one guy came at the point and said, he says, I've watched a bit of paddle on TV and I've seen it played live. He goes, I'd much rather watch it live than on TV. And I said, yeah, it's the same with a lot of sports. I said, tennis has the benefit of being very acceptable to watch on TV. I think to grow, to get the exposure up, Paddle has to become probably, I haven't seen enough of it to, to really have a go at it about this, but it probably needs to be well exposed on a TV level. It needs to look good at a TV level. People need to understand it. And that'll be the next part of the exposure is getting it onto TV, making it approachable on TV that people want to desire to watch it. And I think then, then you get it out to a wider community, then it will grow and then it will become a bit more of a household name and then there's no reason why it can't continue to grow and whether it will compete with tennis who knows i mean that's that's the future and who knows what that what holds there but it's got a chance of being more of a foothold in the rest of europe if it's if it gets the exposure right and some of that's got to be tv based it's interesting you say that because um i I do watch a lot of paddle now. Um, we are quite lucky in the UK that we can watch it free uh, on WPT, uh, the app, um, and and it's and it's really good. Um, I don't, unfortunately, I don't have either Apple TV or Chromecast or anything like that, so so I cannot cannot really put it on my TV. But I, I still I still enjoy to watch it, and it's and it's quite interesting. But I don't think I'm I'm the right person to to decide this because I remember that when I I used to, funnily enough, um, that's definitely not my claim to fame. Rather, the opposite. I used to uh, play foosball or table soccer on a, a pretty high level. And um, and I enjoyed watching that, but I think that that must be so boring for someone who, who never played it. Um, and and I think in a way that pedal has so many amazing points that it is quite a good exposure on TV. But I do a hundred percent appreciate what you're saying and what your friend was saying. Although personally, I think it is really enjoyable on TV as well. And and but but I still think that yes, there's there's ways to go and and it's still long matches because in in pedal you can you can like not not tennis long like grand slam long like not five hours of of uh, of uh, play time, but it is a it is a lot more. Um, so the impact of 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 pedal on the TV is I think that it it actually is even the even the women's game to be fair is is really for me at least it's it's a joy to watch and i think it squash is problematic in that perspective i know that they've done quite a bit with uh with the different colored balls with the glass cages and and what they started to to do to make it more enjoyable but it's not not that enjoyable because the whole whole point of squash, and there's no offense whatsoever for squash players or or for squash lovers, but how I see it, that that the whole point construction 
is pretty slow compared to any other racket sport because like you know badminton is the other end where literally there's a, a lot of really fast smashes uh, or or uh, table tennis is is like that but pedal is a lot closer to tennis because there's the the point construction is a lot cleverer i think than than with than with squash so i think and, and I'm answering my own You're question. You're going to get a lot of unhappy squash players. <laughs> I know, I know. And and, and, I, I, and, and you know what? We uh, so Where I actually play tennis in Redland Green, um, it's one of the biggest squash clubs in in, uh, in the UK. So <laughs> I'm possibly going to get booed when I, when the next time I'm, I go in. But yes, and, and they, to be, to be fair to them, we spoke about it because uh, I've got a, quite a few uh, good squash player friends. And we were saying that yes, the, the issue is that they are not so their their community knows what they should be changing, but somehow the squash federation, the international squash federation, isn't really going by their by their ideas. It's getting better, so hopefully that will become because uh, I really wish for squash the same thing. That I I, I hope that it will be uh, an Olympic sport. But I'm quite biased, and I have to say that I would love to have paddle before squash. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 I get the point, and it's uh, squash has improved you know, massively from the on for, for the how it's televised now is completely different to what it was. It's still, I think, tough for some people to watch, and I think tennis tennis has a similar issue in some regards that it goes on when you talk grand slams and you know everybody likes to watch Wimbledon in the UK for those two weeks, yep. but sometimes it can get a little bit dull when you're watching it for hours and hours on end but but i think i think if paddle exposes itself more on tv to to, to a wider public yeah i mean the one thing that everyone always goes on about when they see paddle play to the highest level is when the ball goes out and somebody runs outside the the court and then hits it back in again it's always the thing that yeah. amazes everybody and yes it's a little bit showboaty in some regards but it's part of the game and it's it's a, a fascinating part of the game but i think the more it gets on tv the more exposure it'll get the more, let's say, high-level tournaments we have. And like you said, there was the WPT had one in, in Belgium recently. Hopefully, at some point, there'll be one here in the UK. And then I'll be really intrigued to see and, and excited, hopefully, there'll be a lot of people there to see it live at a high, high level. You know, we've had some exhibitions before that the guys put on in Canary Wharf, which was great, some good exhibition level, um, you know, a high level of uh, you know, some of the some top, top players playing. And, you know, watching the qualifiers, I went up to um, to Derby to see the qualifiers up there for the world champs. That was that was fascinating watching the, the Portuguese team. It was uh, it was amazing. And the Brits did a, did, you know, a fantastic job, to be honest. So it was um, it was great to see. And it, more people, the more people that can see that higher level, I think the, the quicker the sport will grow as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And one thing which which Paddle really needs to sort out is the prem, uh, Premier Paddle and and the WPT because unless they do have, uh, because it, it's it's almost like uh, before the NFL or the NBA became just one, and and it feels like okay, so you really need to sort this out because unless you have one entity which is governing the whole of of the professional paddle. It will be really tough because there's, for example, Tolito Aguera, who's an unbelievable talent, and he's he's I'm not joking, he's at least like a hundred kilos or something, and 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 he still moves around the pedal court like a panther, and he's playing premier pedal, and obviously, you know, for most of the Europeans, you 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 watch the WPT, you you see all these names, you know, the Galans, the uh, the Coelhos, the Tapias. 
these super chips. And I think that that's that's one more thing which battle needs to sort out because it, be, before it can really grow. Andy, look, I, I re we, we already spoke about what to do next because you have to come down to Bristol and we're going to see uh, Rocket Pedal. And I'm aware of, of the time because uh, we are five past five, uh, five which, uh, which we spoke about that is going to take only an hour. So last question before I let you go is um, please promise me something that you start playing pedal regularly before <laughs> I ask the last question. <laughs> I will I will do my best it's fitting it in with uh, with life and kids and work and everything else but, yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah I appreciate it so last question um what do you how do you see what does tennis point pedal point have to do to become number one in pedal uh retail it's having this I think the, as I sort of alluded to a little bit earlier it's having a slightly different strategy with with paddle than we do for tennis we, we have to which we've started this process but it's it's not done by any means whatsoever we're still learning a lot about paddle retail because it's grown so quickly i think the same for all paddle retailers and there's some very good ones in the uk and there's some very good ones in europe and everybody has to adapt and deliver differently as you would for tennis you can't mirror image uh, what you do in tennis into paddle there's some elements that obviously cross over um but Investing is one of the big things. I mean, we've, you'll probably see hopefully in the next coming weeks, we've just signed a deal with the LTA to become their official paddle and tennis um, online and offline retailer. Um, that was a starting point for us to invest in paddle in the UK. We're looking in other areas where we can help and invest in the sport a little bit more. Um, but it's going the right way rather than just blanket trying to give out a bit of money and product for no reason. It's having, yeah, getting the right investment and getting the right return for everything that we do. And okay, so plus one, um, would Tennis Point, Pedal Point consider uh, sponsoring one player or a group of players or something like that? Potentially, I've already had a few conversations on this with uh, with some uh, some of the, let's say, the manager stroke players. Um, it's something we, we, we've done in the past in certain areas in Spain. I think they do, they still continue to sponsor players and we... It's a tricky one because historically the, the players are sponsored by the brands and then the retailers, this is on a tennis perspective, the retailers will get involved with an exposure or a link up through the brand. Um, it is a little bit different in paddle that some of the retailers on an international level will will sponsor the players and the brand will sponsor them. So there's a dual uh, link up there. So it, it's something I would definitely say that there's there's a potential for and there are some ongoing conversations about things like that when the time's right. Again, it has to, everything has to, to go at the same level. You know, we could invest tens of thousands of pounds now and not see the return for three or four years. Some would say, well, that's a good investment for the future. But like most businesses, everybody wants to see a return on investment immediately. And that's hard in any growing sport. You, you have to temper that with a bit of logic that says it's, it's a longer process that you have to invest in over a period of time. So short answer is yes, we will invest in players. Uh, time scale is I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I really appreciate that you have to first uh, learn how to walk be before you can run. Correct. We got we got a long way to go. <laughs> we're still a tod we're still a toddler in some areas. So. <laughs> yeah, but the sport is in uh, in apart from uh, from Argentina and and Spain, the sport is really really an infant. So, <laughs> so that's... yeah, and it's but you know, hey, look, everything is positive with paddle. I don't oh, yeah. I don't see too much negativity for the sport at the moment. Um, there's always people that will be against it, but my uh, sort of closing words, I guess, is that 
I'm behind paddle, we're behind paddle. It's it's one of those sports that that will grow. It it definitely will grow. When you look at the the passionate support it has already from from being in the country for a you know let's say at a decent level for the last couple of years, and it's it's already it's already people already invested in it. They've already got a um, a, a real passion for it. And when you look at you know the publications like the Bandeka and things like this, it's fantastic. You know, it really is when you've got people really wanting to live, breathe, and work paddle. And yeah. like your podcast, so it's yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, everyone is trying their part, and um, and uh, we just we just mentioned Emma Emma yesterday with uh, with our head coach in the club because we we just played some paddle and uh, it was a bit of a drunken paddle, so it was quite a funny one. But <laughs> um, but yeah, and and uh, she is doing a brilliant job. Ian Colligan is doing a brilliant job yep. with I paddle, and and I can just go on and on, and I will definitely give them all a shout out. We we mentioned Ben Nichols and and all those guys. Andy, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. It has been really insightful. And uh, yeah, I wish all the best uh, for uh, Pedal Point as well as, as you personally. Thanks very much. No, pleasure.